to the ETPHD team podcast. Today we're going to be covering some client questions and we're going to be talking a little bit about what we've been listening to this week, what we found interesting this week and yeah we're just going to get cracking really. So Louis and Anna are both here today. Hello Louis and Anna. Hello. How are you Louis? We've just had a really interesting discussion before we started about you're running, so I feel like you should fill everyone in on how that's going. I feel, <laughs> do you know what? Like running really underplays it. I feel like I should be calling it training. So let's go with training. It's definitely training. Yeah. Like, I had like some issues the last couple of weeks as well. I haven't really ran for like over two weeks because I had some ankle issues where it was inflamed. The posterior tibial tendon, I think it was, around my like my right ankle was like inflamed, and then I started. I got like a calf strain in my other foot, and I was like god what's happening um so uh i hadn't ran for like 10 days and then i squeezed out half an hour last week which was a struggle and then squeezed out an hour on saturday and i was like oh dear i've got a long run on wednesday do i do it so i thought i'd just stick at it so um and see how it goes and then yesterday ran my ever first half marathon distance which was not it was fun kind of um it's yeah it was it was tough on the body and like yesterday afternoon i was sore and quite quite tender on my feet my knees um but yeah it's getting there i've got another nine weeks until the race day even though it's not actual race it's just a run day but um so yeah it's going well it's interesting um quite a few of my clients are running as well at the moment doing distances so some are doing half marathons some are training for marathons and getting pbs so um it's sort of been cool to jump back into the literature of it um doing a lot of reading on sort of endurance performance nutrition um training blocks endurance runs different types of runs um it's been really really cool so yeah uh, that's me at the moment um my body is holding together just about but uh yeah it doesn't break it doesn't break normally, does it? Till just after, just after the marathon, and then your body breaks for like a year, and then you start again. No, I I just break all the time. Like I'm constantly in bits, and there's something always falling off of me at some point. Um, whether it be like fingers, shoulders, back. Like you two were both well aware of my back before Christmas in in bits. And to be fair, I think running's like not help. Well, it's probably helped my back in that probably a lot more core stability stuff for endurance and things like that that has sort of helped i'm not doing a lot more haven't been doing a huge amount of weights the last couple of weeks um just more sort of banded work and yeah it's been a nice new challenge that again from covid is sort of it's a nice thing to come out of it in a way out of this awful situation we're in mm-hmm. so um i never would have thought that i'd be going for marathons and things like that it was like a thought further down the line like in my 40s and 50s essentially like oh you know i'll probably reduce my weight training and go into more endurance stuff because you all know the health benefits of it um and yeah just sort of a nice challenge at the moment Mm. i found um handstands really helped my back like because i get a sore back from sitting still for too long like when i when i work at my desk so i'll stand up but I, I don't stand up for too long. And handstands helped so much. Again, the core stability, I think, just is such, such a shift from what I was used to doing, which was just always just, I say lifts and heavy, but relatively heavy. Um, 
it made such a difference. So it's nice. It's good to do something different. And I've started doing yoga, which for me is like Anna's my inspiration for that one because <laughs> I'm not a yoga by any stretch of imagination. I'm so ungraceful. You know, you know, like you know when you kind of just look like like a fish that's like flopping around on dry. <laughs> that's that's what I was. And I do, you know, you're like, right, I'm going to film a little bit of this, put it on my Instagram. And then I film a little bit of this and I'm like, absolutely, that's not going on my Instagram. Like, it's awful. It's like the least fit look ever. So that's great. I think it's sort of brought us out of a bit of a rut, probably with our training, a lot of us. Like, I just used to go to the gym, do same familiar exercises, potentially venture out a little bit. And I started doing a bit of calisthenics stuff last year, but I still go to the gym. And now that's not there. It's been like, so what do I do now? I like, and it, it has just brought back my love for movement. I think of just really appreciate getting out and moving and going for walks. I know Anna goes on her walks down the canals and see all the ducklings, which is lovely. Yeah, um, like swans. It, it's horrid. But it, <laughs> swans, they're vicious. They're huge. <laughs> they are oh, around yeah. there. Well, are you training man? are you back training or are you still just doing everything other than other than training? Uh, it was going well i'd signed up to uh there's a local lady that does uh she's doing like hit and yoga because huh. i just needed even though like she was doing it live but you could log in at any time of the day and do it and i just needed someone to tell me what i needed to do because I will quite happily do a set and then wander and have a drink and sit down and fall asleep. Or, uh, and it was going real well. And then my body went into shock and my knee blew up. So <laughs> that put a stop to some hit. I did it for another week or two and it wasn't getting any better from me enough. So I had to knock that on the head for a little bit. Um, and I have revisited some more kind of, kind of hypertrophy training. Uh, doing like full legs and then lower upper, a bit of what I fancy, keeping with yoga because I'm really enjoying it. Um, and yeah, lots of walks, getting in the vitamin D, avoiding swans. <laughs> Life is good. Yeah, I think I think now everyone's just, everyone is just like, right, this is what it is. There's less, the frustration of not being in the gym is kind of, it's not gone. Like everyone wants to get back in the gym, but also it's like, it is, it is what it is. We don't have that immediate missing. You know, when you like break up with someone and you've got that in, initial, like, I just need to text them all the time. And then once that passes, I feel like we're in that stage of it where it's just a bit more like, oh, I would still like to be with them, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> back eventually, in hopefully like six weeks' time or something like that. Mm. <laughs> um, so I thought we would cover a couple of client questions um i didn't actually run this by you before we did this talk but regardless one of my clients was so she used to she worked on regaining her cycle um and she did amazingly at that and then has since is since trying to lean down slightly and she did a she did so much work on um listening to her internal cues and she and really focused on that for so long and now is dieting and she said you know I'm really I feel like I can't I can't honor my hunger anymore because I'm dieting and I'm really struggling to 
being mindful of my hunger whilst dieting, so I like, don't think I'm doing it right. And well, I'd be interested to hear actually what you like. You know, if if somebody is dieting and they are really they really want to be a mindful eater, like what would you say if it was one of your clients or followers or whoever that said, you know, I want to diet, but how can I be mindful of my hunger or honour my hunger when I'm diet when I'm dieting? I'd be interested in your viewpoints. Um, I'd probably say like it's good that you're in tune with your hunger and it's if you are dieting it's coming to terms with that you are going to be probably more hungry than usual and accepting that embracing that in a way instead of fighting it and trying to get back to almost that level of fullness and then also identifying foods that you enjoy and will actually help with that hunger which are lowering calories and making better choices in line with your goals um it's i feel i've sort of been through this a little bit and I think once you've got to, if you're in a good place with like your relationship with food and yourself, but you want to lose a little bit of body fat, it can feel a little bit difficult because it's uncharted territory of you don't want to sacrifice your relationship with food and yourself to get that composition because again, it comes down to like, what do you value most? And those sort of internal conversations, it's, it's, it's difficult to find the right way for yourself, I feel, but it can happen with making sure that if you're not tracking and you want to sort of have that more intuitive style, prioritizing your protein and your high volume foods at meals and also potentially using that hunger scale, but maybe even just dropping it down slightly and be going, right, I'm not going to fully eat until I'm completely satisfied. I'm just like, I could eat more, but I'm choosing not to because that's not in line with my goals right now. And then maybe setting out into having high high volume snacks and high volume meals around that and sort of managing your hunger a bit better through that mm. that would be my approach yeah i like that idea of kind of bringing the hunger kind of bringing the hunger scale values down a little bit i think that's a quite a nice applicable way to do it that is interesting would you would you do anything different anna might not um no i think uh, like louis said um like you can still eat mindfully and diet, but being hungry is part and parcel of dieting. Mm. Um, and I think I think you kind of have to remind yourself, like you do with fullness, that it's okay to feel hungry. Mm. It's perfectly normal. That's what your stomach's meant to do when it's ready to eat. Um, and yeah, working that hunger scale, whereas you might already have a number that you'd usually eat at, um, and making sure that you're not getting too hungry, but finding maybe that, that middle ground, if you can lay off a little bit more, and then just working in all your diet hacks um, and volume foods. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's such a good point. Like, I think because we set in the, the I guess the middle ground it's very difficult to say, you know, true mindful eaters honour their hunger. So if you are dieting, you are you can incorporate parts of mindful eating, being present, being non-judgmental, um, listening to your hunger, taking your time, etc., etc. But you are not a truly mindful eater if you don't honour your hunger. And I think that there's such a misconception. I remember I put something on my Instagram once and it said something like, it's okay to be a little bit hungry. 
And the backlash that I got from that was huge from people who were saying, I really like your post normally, but that, uh, that, I think that encourages eating disorders and all of these things. And it's like, no, actually it doesn't because it is okay to be hungry. And actually that's part of mindfulness is noticing a feeling and, and not having to immediately act on it and just say, right, I noticed this feeling. It is what it is. And it's really hard when you, when you sit in the middle. And yeah, my, I mean, my response was, you can't honor your hunger when you're dieting, you know, mm. and then you, you know, speaking about the, um, like working on your fullness in other ways is really important, but it's hard to find the middle ground. And I do, I think it's a big misconception from the industry thinking that mindful eating is, is just kind of sitting down and eating your, your dinner without a phone. And it's so much yeah. more than that. Um, but it's interesting and it is hard when you've come from the background of improving your relationship food with food and then doing the opposite i think like the fitness industry as well is really guilty of not embracing hunger and coming up with all these hacks that are going to mask your hunger but when it's true hunger you i had discussion with charlotte before and it was around people having in the fitness industry glamorizing having all these diet hack foods, these skinny foods, these low calorie alternatives full of polyols and then almost justifying it almost like a binge later on and hammering it. And it's like, well, actually, if you embrace hunger, instead of trying to cover it up all the time through all these hacks, you're, the human body, and I say this quite a lot, it's an incredible bit of kit. Like if you think about all the stuff it goes through and how it adapts, we can have all these foods and manufacture all these foods, but your body will realize that there are no calories in some of these sources, in some of these foods. And instead of trying to override that, if you embrace that, then you're not fighting a battle, then you're working together in a way. And mm. I think that's an important thing to remember. Mm, yeah. And, and, and I mean, those things are fine. Mm. And obviously in the depths of prep, I love that spunk taste in pasta. You know, that was right up there for me. <laughs> And I know you like it, Lou, because it tastes just like that pineapple sports gel that you have. <laughs> well, there's a time, there is a time and a place. And what concerns yeah. me, I think, is when you see off-season athletes um, who are trying to build muscle still eating calorie-free foods. And it's like, you, you, what is the benefit of that food? You, you lose the idea that food is supposed to nourish you when you're literally eating spunk-tasting pasta with less sauce. It's true. <laughs> like, obviously. But that is true. And I think that's such a good point. And, yeah, they've got, to, again, those things, that, like diet hacks have got a place, a time and a place, don't they? And... Mm. But when you're doing them when you don't need to be doing them, that's a concern. And often, yeah, often sometimes it's something as simple as just having peanut butter instead of powdered peanut butter. You're more satisfied for the next hour and you don't sack. Mm. But it's fine. It's the middle ground, isn't it? Again. Yeah. Um, I was something I was going to say then. I can't remember who it is. Oh, it was um, pulling out Dr. Mike's, going back to someone um Dr. Mike's quotes. Sorry, I should have finished that sentence before I moved on. Um, but going back to dieting from a sort of mindful position, um, that I loved his quote from a couple of weeks ago. And I think I've used it in the majority of my check-ins the last couple of weeks around self-compassion being uh, being kind to three people: your past self, your present self, and your future self. And making a decision from that position there. If you're dieting and trying to eat mindfully, accepting hunger is part of that compassionate approach because if you truly want to have that goal in the long term of losing a bit of body fat, then 
honouring that sort of, I'm going to finish my meal here, I'm not fully satisfied, I'm slightly hungry, or I'm going to wait until I'm a bit longer to have my evening meal or something like that, is actually a compassionate approach towards your goals in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, like that. As it comes down to that yin and yang of compassion that we've spoken about a few times, that proactive side. Um, cool. So another question, or another thing that I thought would be interesting to talk about was um, one of my clients who is she is really good at doing the work. She she's been with me, worked with me for quite a long time, and she she's so deep and she puts in work into every aspect of what we do, and it's like it's, it amazes me actually. But she was talking about um, a course that she'd been on, and it was around goal setting. And what was really interesting is that they said, you know, to help you with to help you to accomplish the habits that you set. So we set habits for our clients, right? And a lot of people who who are trying to achieve body composition goals or health goals will set habits that they want to do, train, eat protein three times a day, whatever it is. And she had certain habits that she wanted to hit. And she said, the, the course has taught me to align the habits to the person and the identity that I want to have. And when I said this quote earlier, you guys nodded your head like I'm way behind the times. Do you want me to read the quote? I've got it. Yeah, go for it. Uh. <laughs> Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. Okay, and that's James Clear, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for that. So, James Clear wrote Atomic Habits. So, Louis read Atomic Habits. Um, I listened to a podcast of his recently, and everyone, I think, I'd say like 90% of people I follow on Instagram seem to have read Atomic Habits. Actually, when I went on first dates, the guy that I was on a date with was like, you need to come back to my room to see this book that I'm reading. I mean, it's a good oh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair, I, we actually did had a cup of tea and looked at this book. So, you know, it was actually legit. However, that's when I first heard about it. Like, so that was like a year ago. And so obviously that's where the, the course has probably come from. And they must, they've all obviously kind of birthed from the same idea that if you want to achieve a habit then you need to attach it to an identity and I kind of threw back at her at quite a different perspective and I, I feel like I'm obviously maybe on my own on this one which is why I think it'd be good to talk about it in the sense of I always talk about how your identity is not any of these external things and your identity is not this kind of like egoic character that you have which is a fit person or a healthy person or what a bikini athlete or whatever it is that you that this kind of concept tells you to identify with so if you say I want to be I want to be um uh, I don't know I want to be uh, thinner right slimmer leaner whatever and so I'm going to identify with somebody who is a leaner person than me so I'm going to follow all the habits that they would then follow for to me from a spiritual perspective that is the complete opposite of what I would I would want as a mindset in the sense of I am a soul inside. Is that, um, can you guys hear that? No. All I can hear was like a truck or a lorry. Oh, that might be outside my window, right. actually. Sorry, my bad guys. <laughs> I was just, I'm glad it's not in my head, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I talk about being like, I am my soul. I am none of these external traits because I actually think identifying with external traits is quite negative. But I don't know, what are your 
guys' thoughts on it? Obviously, Lou, you've read the book. You, Anna, you know the quotes. So you obviously know the concept. What do you think about that? Anna? Yeah, um, I suppose. I never, I didn't really think of it as, um, as identifying as, as like you said, something physical. Um, but, and you know that I love the core values task. And it, I, I thought of it more like that and maybe where I want to be or the type of person that I want to be, who I want to become and making sure that my actions and habits align with that. So even if I'm not there yet, even if I'm not this super zen person, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we're getting there, we're getting there. I can, I can keep it most of the time. <laughs> But yeah, it'd be making sure that what I'm doing is going to help me get to where I want to be. Um, and I suppose I am kind of with you that I don't know if I fully agree on looking at it from you're going to identify with a thinner person, a leaner person, whatever. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm about, I'm afraid. But yeah, I think. And the reason, the reason why, like, that we have that identity type of concept is that that's often a concept that leads to self-sabotage in the sense of if you become an identity. So if you currently identify with all of these egoic traits now, and then say, say for example, I did want to lose weight, then just using that as an easy example, but I identified now as the person on Instagram who doesn't diet anymore but used to diet, and then I just started trying to diet, I could very much feel like I was losing my identity because that's not who I am anymore. And as a result, I could fall into very much a self-sabotage rut where I then subconsciously overeat or can't stick to my diet and keep coming back to square one because I identify with this persona, this egoic persona that I have on Instagram of I am no longer a dieter. Um, so that's obviously why we have feelings about it and maybe that are potentially different. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, I, I agree with what Anna said, really. That I don't think it's about being or idolizing someone or putting someone on a pedestal i think it's about developing the character that you want to be in the best version that you can be towards that rather than looking at um i don't know mirroring someone else or trying to be someone else just mm. what's again what's the type of person that i want to be and then aligning your goals and your values with that um i think it's quite a, the way we talk about it as well i think like you said, when you have those identity-based behaviours, they're quite set in stone and absolute, when actually, when we're talking about sort of that spiritual sense or developing the person you want to be, that's quite fluid. And it's always an ever, sort of an everlasting journey, really, that there's never a finish point. When if you say, I'm going to be, I am a dieter, that's almost like a finish and absolute point with certain identities and behaviours, but also certain things that go against that identity as well. When it's almost like, I keep saying it almost like I can hear myself saying it, but um, it's we're in the middle ground and we never really, we're not team anything. We're not one side or the other and it's always context dependent. And I think that's really important when you're looking at these behaviours that instead of saying, oh, I'm a dieter, therefore that I don't ever have, I'd never eat to maintenance or overeat at any point or um, I need to, be lean all year round when you go against that it's 
it means that that you can never go against it when actually there are times and we understand that there's context where there is times to eat at maintenance there are times when you want to overeat or need to overeat and developing that decision making in context is really important in regards to developing the person that you want to be yeah I think yeah you're right and I also think like I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate because I agree in the sense of it's great to so, so if you're trying to improve your relationship with food and you know what your values are then yes it, it's great to say like what would be a habit of somebody with a good relationship with food and that might be to eat mindfully so I completely am on board with that in that sense I think as well again devil's advocate in the sense of when you do try and identify with something with these again these very all of this is very externally loaded it's not inter it's not intrinsic at all it's not this is what i value so this is what i'm going to do i mean you can word it like that when you're in the middle just like you said louis and if that's what we would do context dependent but i think as well when you do attach it to this external stuff is when it's your self-worth becomes very much ingrained in the in the ego and in the the, the external and I don't just mean the body I, I mean the persona or the external identity so then as soon as you again as soon as you stray from that your self-worth then because it's so tied up in this identity your self-worth takes a big hit as well so I think it's the identity concept that I don't I, it doesn't sit well with me because it's so external but at the same time parts of your journey um, and obviously it's the journey that lasts forever right but a part of your journey it's going to be like it's going to be much easier to focus on the external rather than if, rather than the internal for whatever reason. Um, you can't always be internally led, like unless you're Buddha or maybe Oprah. Although she's probably led by her bank balance. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's easiest to almost have that external identity, even though we'd we'd all agree that in the long run, it, like it's you'll pay off more to in sort of internalize it and align it with your goals and values but if you think about someone who is trying to get lean if they go uh, again this means playing devil's advocate but going what would a lean person do or what would someone who's competing in a bodybuilding competition do are oh, they do extra cardio or they drop their calves by whatever and that decision is just made for me like that when i think we can all agree like sitting in and going developing that context awareness can be really difficult and takes trial and error and you will make mistakes and understanding that it's okay to make mistakes may not align with the person and they just want they just want the result now so I'll, I'll drop my carbs i won't eat any carbs i'll do x amount of cardio because that's what you need to do to get on stage that's what bikini athletes do when actually understanding right actually i'm running running myself into the ground here i'm not enjoying the process how do i make this enjoyable process still get the results i want that takes a lot more thought to it in, in essence yeah it's an interesting concept and i think it is a really great way to build habits and find success so if you are struggling to to hit a habit and nail a habit consistently whether it's from, from one of us or externally i think that's a really good way to do it is to think about what it is you're trying to achieve and then think what would that identity or what would that person do um in order to help you achieve that habit so it is helpful it's just an interesting perspective on it i think um, Louis, what, what did you say you were listening to this week? Brené Brown? Yes, I've been listening to Unlocking Us by Brené Brown, the uh, wonderful podcast on some of my runs. Um, I tend to have her on like, the shorter runs because 
there's so many yes moments in them. I think if I listened on a longer run, I'd just be mentally worn out by just trying to take all the, you don't want to miss anything with her. Um, and yeah, it was, yeah, look, she covered the area of like the, I think about five or six podcasts in potentially. Um, and one of them was judgment requires punishment. And I just would like to hear both your thoughts on that statement. I love that. I think I listened to that one a, a while ago and, and I remember the bit that stuck with me interestingly very similar was, you know, when you judge someone, it hurts you or it hurts them. So it's all, so it's, someone is always hurt and it's so true. And actually when I listened to it, I was having a bit of issues with with someone that was irrelevant to me. And I remember thinking that judgment from that person has really, it's hurt me. And in the end, it actually hurt them as well. And really, there was no need. To, there was no need for it at all. And I think it's such an easy concept. And too much time on social media that looks at other people and judges someone else, regardless of whether it's good judgment or a bad judgment. We're talking here in the sense of a negative sense, but you know, you see it. You see it. You see it a lot for people from your high school who slag somebody off and a celebrity off or somebody like that and you judge them and it's just you just think that's there's only harm coming out of that there's no goodness coming out of judgment and it's naturally like inbuilt in us to judge people because when we were 15 it gives us something to talk about at school right we don't have any intellectual capacity so we talk about other people like and it's of course right it's conditioned into us and then at the same time you've got magazines who especially women who are literally um, pitted against each other who have front covers that judge people and then wonder why we judge people and then it's like who is that front cover servant other than the person who's making money from the magazine because it hurts the person who is getting judged and it tells the person who's reading it that judgment is okay it's, it's a really toxic thing so I think I love that statement Louie I think it's really powerful <coughs> And I was, I was going to say on top of that, like I saw it from the other perspective as well of if you're judging someone, you're looking for that almost retribution. And that's the thing that you're secretly discovering or looking for. So if I'm judging you, I'm saying there's an unfairness there and therefore I want retribution for that. And it's either to make you feel bad or to make me feel better. And I think what if you are judging someone again, almost taking that step back and going, what am I trying to achieve by this? And what what unfairness am I trying to identify? And who's if it is nobody's fault that these things happen? Like this is just the way the world is in some aspects. And instead of going externally and judging you, just assessing my thought process almost and being reflective on it and going, why why do I assume that? Why am I thinking that? And almost taking that step back. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Have you got any, Anna? I mean, I know you've got thoughts in general. <laughs> I think there's not really anything more to add. I think, like you said, and it's a good way of thinking about it, it's either going to hurt you or the other person, whatever judgment. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, at the minute, everybody's got more time on social media, probably getting a little bit cattier as well. Um, and I've had to call myself out on making judgments and being quick to assume things and I think 
well, I said to you the other day, I kind of just have to go, well, is it is it really worth my energy and getting cut up over something stupid that probably, well, it's completely irrelevant. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about, Anne and I were talking about people who had been ripping us off as a group, very noticeably ripping us off. And... And I and I and I've had this obviously for like a while, and Anna was telling me about some things, and I said, you know, I've kind of got to the point where I just say, you know, it is, it is what it is. I can't can't change it, and then and you're you're getting to that point too, but it's yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. It's like where you just I I'm at the stage where I almost and I say this now because I'm quite sane at the moment because I'm, tw- I'm meditating twice a day, but realistically, I'm not always like this. But it's like what's the point what is the point in putting your energy into something negative that you can't control and we're all pretty positive people so we don't tend to do that any like generally but it can be very very easy thing to fall into when you convince yourself to tell yourself stories in your head or you get really riled up that the same person is copying you over and over again but it doesn't impact you directly so it's it's like what's the point in putting your energy into something like that but it's easier said than done Hmm. I've culled some of my social media because of that. I've started unfollowing people just because, especially I think the last few weeks on social media with lockdown, like I've noticed a lot more bitchiness and things like that going on and people taking people. I think some people are getting short for content and just ripping off other people's as well. And I was like, this account is just triggering me at the moment. I may know this person in person and they're fine, but I don't need to follow them on social media to prove that we're okay in like face to face because it's just negatively impacting me and it's distorting my opinion of them in a way. Um, so I'm better off not following this person and sort of saving my energy for the, th- the things that I want to follow or I, I want to see and things that add to my life in a way rather than getting dragged down and think and getting annoyed like you you guys are i've seen it as well people ripping off what we're doing in a way and like there's like we're really good at what we do and there's a reason we're really good at what we do and i think some people think they can read a post and think they know on a subject or they can have a lecture on something and know everything on that topic but i think once you realize that we read the research but we've got practical experience which again is that sort of that evidence-based practice isn't it it's like you can read a book but once actually you can understand the context of when to use that with people that's a totally different um thing and also conflicting messages as well it's just like having a good relationship with food but then i've earned my food after a workout and yeah i've just had to unfollow these people because i'm just i don't think people can and the C don't fully understand the, the topic area or the concept and are just saying words like compassionate, mindfulness, good relationship with food, hashtag good relationship with food. It's like you like what? Like it has nothing to do with your posts. Okay. Why? Here's an interesting question then. So Emma and I were talking on the EIQ live recently about, you know, as a PT, should you look like you practice what you preach? Should you look a certain way? And, you know, I don't really want to go into that today because I'm exhausted from that discussion. But (laughs) we obviously talk a lot about good relationships with food. And we all, on the whole, have good 
relationships with food now. But you can't see that, and in, in obviously externally. So you can't look at a coach and say, "Oh, they've got a good relationship with food or not." You just have to judge it by what they say. But if we go on the premise of a person doesn't have to be lean to be to, to do fat loss, how does that then relate to a person doesn't have to have a good relationship with food to work on someone's relationship with food? Because fat loss relies on principles of science i think relationships with food is so emotive and driven that you can negatively impact someone's relationship with food quite easily with the wrong terminology used mm -hmm. i think like I, when i was a pt i was probably not your typical in shape pt i was probably i was carrying probably another 10 kilos of body fat on what i am doing now i was playing rugby at the time um but people saw me as more approachable than anything and I think they saw that normality in me. And again, I think that if there's a PT listening or anything like that, I think I think the, the industry is almost taking a step away from that at the moment and saying that like people who have lifestyle goals don't potentially don't want their PT to be absolutely jacked and shredded because they won't understand me. I won't have similar line, uh, similar values and goals with them. Um, with like the relationship with food i had an interesting discussion around the word healthy this morning and regards to using that as a sort of a title for food and going i've got healthy snacks all that food's healthy and again it's all down to context it's sort of like at times like half tub of ice cream or tub of ice cream can be healthy because it's totally sociable and we know that social health is really important but actually, if you've got uh, someone who is a clean eater, constantly eating high nutritious food, but they believe the the context that they're making those decisions is totally unhealthy in a way of that reliance and bad foods, good food, dichotomous thinking, then technically that food could be unhealthy for them because it's driving those behaviours. So it's it's a massive sort of topic area. It's interesting though. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts Anna, on it because like you PT quite a lot. Yeah, um, when I started PTing, um, I think when I yeah when I started, um, I was just about to start prep. So people in the gym saw me go from uh, I, I can't remember what, I, but they went from seeing me look normal to then stage lean. And during the end of the prep, when I was stage lean, I didn't have anybody I mean I'm, I'm terrible at sales but I didn't have anybody come up to me asking for PT they asked me about the diet and how hard it must be and how much I must be training but then when I after after I finished competing and when I was putting on weight again I think people were then coming up to me, asking me more about things because I was, I think, I was more relatable. Um, and I think everybody knows I struggled after competing and I was quite open with people then about it. And especially now, I think people that have seen my journey and understand that my relationship with food has come on tenfold, like, I, it's, it's not an issue for me. Um, and I think, I think, like you said, people find you more relatable because you understand their struggles. You're not trying to, you're not trying to bullshit people and tell them that 
this is the way that it needs to be, this is what you have to do. Everybody has their struggles. Um, and whether it whether it's training or not, I think I've gone way off course now, haven't I? I know. <laughs> but no, it's um, all good. No, I think I think I think we the way that we coach, um, a lot of people can relate to. Um, we're not trying to force anybody into doing anything that they don't want to do. Um, and just gentle nudges in the right way. Yeah, I suppose my main I suppose my main kind of coming back to the first question was do you think someone can have a good relationship with food and be somebody who coaches and having good relationships with food? Um I think I don't think so. Oh I don't. I I see it on social media. I know people that are putting out all the right things but I know that they're mm. not in that place themselves I, think, I don't think they I think you have to practice what you preach yeah but then again so then that's the, so PTs and I think PTs do regardless of the shape in the sense of because health is not defined by a physique so it being lean as a PT doesn't suggest that you're a good PT because that's just that's just body complex. So what's a, such a small part of overall health, which is why you, you, they, they don't have to align in that sense, like leanness, success as a PT. But I think a good relationship with food. I think, and I can say this, I suppose, as somebody who I coached when I competed. So I had short spells after competing when my relationship with food would be, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And I would still coach through that, but I was certainly wasn't as good a coach then as I am now. And that can obviously has come through experience, et cetera, et cetera. But you you can't you can't be objective, I don't think, with clients who need support in relationships with food if you are currently sat there feeling guilty because you have eaten over your macros or whatever it is. I think it's it's difficult. And it's, a, it's very difficult for clients. So obviously this is our client podcast and, and so it's really aimed at them and it's but it's difficult for them as people to identify those people who they can trust in that sense because you can't see that. You can't it's not a visible thing. Mm. I think like the way that you can tell between people who have a good relationship with food and don't is that like we're we're all very consistent with our message and we don't really speak in absolutes when I think other people will potentially have I don't know, be pushing products off that in their feed and things like that. When I don't think any of us would do that because we don't believe that they're in, like needed for a good relationship with food. And I don't think that would be a good, good thing for our clients to see. Um, going back to the sort of the fat loss, if a coach hasn't, hasn't, was it the coach hasn't had a fat loss phase or hasn't been through fat loss before? Was that the question? Mm, no but say what you want to say anyway um i was going to say that we like we all know this that fat loss can be achieved well or really really badly so you can get to the same result i think this is a big difference that you can get to the same result of fat loss with poor poor coaching but you can also get there with really good coaching as well i don't think you can get there to a good relationship with food with poor coaching in that context i think that the coach has to be fully aware of the set i think it's so much more personable and individual based i don't think it is 
a set of rules and principles that you have to stick by in order to achieve the result. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, I think that's all we've got time for. Swift, 45 minutes flew by. But as always, if you have any questions that you want us to talk about on the podcast, I know that I know that you you like we'll talk about certain ones from updates and things, and obviously we'll always do it anonymously. But if you do have questions specifically, ask in your update or ask on the Facebook group or email us, and we will make sure we cover them in detail. Go and join Sunshine, guys. Will do. Get that vitamin D. We love the D. Bye.